This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we're going big with Big Ben Myers. Big Ben Myers, president of Bullpen Consulting, consultant at rentals.ca. Yeah. Well, this guy knows the housing market. He is a consultant. He's got a great company. He's got a great report he actually publishes. He publishes a rental report every month. Right. uh, Cross country on rents, what's happening, increases, decreases, which type of properties are hot through rentals.ca, which is a super useful report. Yes. And then his consulting through bullpen consulting, I believe he's mainly talking with developers about demand, what type of units make sense, what type of buildings make sense. Right. But uh, yeah, he's a, it's a phenomenal conversation. It is. Big Ben, fresh off the heels of medium-sized Ben Taylor, who was on a couple weeks back. Um, but it's, uh, it's super exciting having Ben on the show. And before we get to that interview, Matt, we should talk a little bit about some stats, because the October stats are in. The October stats are in. Uh, I think over the course of the last couple of months, we've been talking about, you know, July... Felt like it was a busy July. It felt like the spring was late. Yep. Uh, August felt busier than July. September felt busier. And now October. Busiest month of the year. Busiest month of the year, maybe even of, of 2018. Uh, we're up 45% over last October's sales. Right. In terms of sales volume. We're up 20, almost 23% over September. And September was busy. So... As we thought in the summer, the fall definitely outperformed the spring, and I think this suggests a fairly busy spring in 2020. I I, I don't disagree, and you know what? I'm just going to highlight a couple markets that are seller's markets. If you're looking at condos or townhomes, downtown, seller's market. West side, seller's market. East side, seller's market. If you're looking at detached houses, North Van and East Van are both seller's markets now. That doesn't leave too many buyer's markets in the Vancouver vicinity left, unless you're going at really high price points. That's right. So if somebody's telling you that there's opportunities out there, there are still, but they're they're going the way of uh, the dodo bird. That that's correct and it's fairly price band specific I would say if you're looking sure. for those those desperate uh the desperate sellers you gotta have that deep pockets. are out there. That's and, right. And you know what here's the other thing too. I just this is an honorable mention but Mount Pleasant last month nuts. 67 condos and townhomes listed 
50 of them sold in that month. It was a 75% sales ratio. That's like going back It's like 2017. To, yeah, that's like the 2017, early 2018 numbers. That's multiple offers right there. I was, I was in multiple offers last night in Mount Pleasant. Uh, you know, you price it at market, you will get multiples right now if it's the right product. That's, uh, yeah, it, it definitely feels different and uh, it's... It's uh, just as it was a couple of years ago kind of feeling here. So we'll see how this uh, how this plays out for the rest of the year. And uh, But I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that the spring's going to be... I don't know if we can say foregone. Let's just say, barring barring any unforeseen circumstances here... Right. You're, inventor- you're calling... Inventory's down. Yep. Sales are up. Right. Uh, and uh, I think this this really bodes well for for sellers in the spring. It does not so great for buyers. I know, I know, and uh, I'm starting to look back and and think of you know the opportunities that existed. Although it's been a bad year for inventory overall. Well, I would that's say. part of the problem. And and here's the, listen to this. I just glanced at uh, you know we've talked about Strathcona Village. I think Vancouver Real Estate Live. You were talking about the opportunities in Strathcona Village. Everybody thinks it's an ugly building, but it's a uh, it's a good investment. It's a it's a great investment. I had a client who bought a one bedroom there maybe four or five months ago, and it was five hundred and sixty seventy square feet, four eighty five. Okay. okay, I felt at the time like that's a great price. Okay, right. a studio just sold. 500 square feet, or it might be a junior one bed, but 80, basically 70, 80 square feet smaller for the same price. And a one bedroom, the same size sold for like 520. Right. So it seems like we've shifted back into the, into prices going back to where they were. Right. right. I don't know. Maybe that's an anecdote that won't, uh, isn't true across the board, but I feel like it is. Right. And, and, and I do, I, I feel like there's a lot of people kind of that were on the fence now just saying, you know what, it's, it's time to buy. I've been waiting kind of all year. Uh, you know, this, it's like the pent up demand that was, didn't show up in the spring is now showing up in the fall. Yeah. And, well, I uh, think it was just that the wait and see hit pause, hit pause, hit pause. And, uh, and now it's, I think the writing's on the wall. Right. So that's the stats. And Matt, we got our new sponsor for the podcast. We do. Oakland Realty. Really excited to have uh, these guys. First of all, we're there now. This is it's so exciting. It's so it's exciting. It's an Everything. amazing brokerage. But also really they're they're super supportive of the podcast. And we're actually going to be featuring a weekly tip brought to you by Oakwin. And the Oakwin tip today, Matt. The Oakwin tip today is when you're buying a property, visit it at different times of the week. Right. And at different times of the day. So this is what I like to call rain trains and automobiles. Um, you're basically, you're going there when it's raining out to make sure that you see it. If at, possible. At different, if possible. Different, 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 different times of the day. Uh, you're going there. If it's on tracks, you want to you wanna hear that train. That's right. Uh, if Here's another example. Sure. Right across from a field in a cute little elementary school, you see it at at one thirty in the afternoon or on a Saturday. Hey, this is ideal. We're going to plan a family. Well, here's the thing. At 9 and 3.30 every day, it's absolute gridlock outside of that school with people dropping off their kids, uh, illegally parking, double parking. Right. You can't find parking. Uh, you want to know that that's going to be part of your daily life. So you want to yeah. visit it at those times. And at one thirty a.m. on Halloween, it's firecrackers. A- and that might be about a month long. That. It does seem to be long here. It does seem to be much, much longer than other cities. You also want to visit it. Yeah, you also want to visit uh, in the evening, right? Sure. Because there's certain times. Uh, you're again Saturday two to four. Hey, this is a great spot. I love this place. Guess what? Nine o'clock at night, you're terrified to Bunch leave. Bunch of your- rent boys. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I haven't seen the. Uh, I haven't seen the play. It sounds terrifying. Anyway, we're also. Sponsored by Live at the Bento Box. We are, yeah, RamiFilms.com, Live at the Bento. And they're doing this amazing thing. It's called Best Thing Ever. That's right. So Best Thing Ever this week. They're comparing foods, right? Pad Thai's. So it's Pink Elephant, it's Salad Thai, it's Thai Basil, it's Bob Likes Thai Food. Yep. Which Pad Thai is the best? I'm actually curious to know. I think it might be Bob Likes Thai Food, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? 
Uh, my thoughts are: I wish they were comparing mass of men because I'm uh, I'm not such a uh, or a meat crab. I could take a nice meat crab. Ah, lardnar, yeah. Yeah, 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 lardnar, lardnar. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, <laughs> cup of mock cup, Matt, for that, and also the best thing ever be- for be- comparing and helping us choose our Thai food correctly. It, it's all Vancouver specific. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Live at the Bento Box. They're also doing adult. Art classes. I haven't seen this yet, but uh, that sounds interesting. They got a ton of different that's, that's shows. That's their, their R-rated. Yeah, that's their late night show. But anyway, Raimi Films, live at the Pencil Box, doing great stuff. Cannot wait. And Matt, what else do we got? What else do we got? We got Vancouver Real Estate Live. That's our live discussion uh, this week with Michael Yu from Oakland Realty about disruptions in real estate. If you're listening to this and you didn't see it, it was a banger. And and hang on, you can't say that. You're no. too old to say that. It, it, it was a it was a thumper, um, and it, it that's that's the uh, that's the post forty banger. Um, it, it happened uh, last night, and we should. It, it's November six today. Um, we're actually coming out to, with this episode on November seventh. So that's yeah, right. Head over to our YouTube channel, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, on YouTube, and uh, you can watch the event from last night and if you turned up you could ask questions in real time anything real estate related at all uh we'd love to see you there next time we're doing them uh once a month more or less yeah last but not least we got vancouverism larry beasley's book signed copy incredible messages everybody's excited about these personalized messages for sure we're giving one away today. We're going to do that in the outro after our, our talk with Big Ben Myers. So maybe we should just cut to our talk with, uh, with Big Ben Myers. Let's a get good in it. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Ben Myers, president of Bullpen Research and Consulting. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, thanks so much, Ben, for taking the time today. Can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a uh, residential real estate housing analyst. So, uh, I mean, there's not too many of us out there, but uh, essentially my company, Bullpen Research and Consulting, does most of its work for either developers or lenders. So they come to me and uh, they want some some help on uh, on valuation, on unit mix, on uh, unit sizing for for a project that they're they're looking at. They might come, you know, during the the underwriting period when they're uh, and then they're looking to purchase a property. They might uh, they might do it. Uh, they might come to me when they're looking to submit a development application. They might uh, come to me when they're looking to get financing and need a you know third party validation uh, based on uh, what they're they've built into their their pro forma in terms of uh, in terms of revenue. Um, you know when they're putting in their development application, they might need help on what the mix of uh, of units should be that they they put into their uh, to their application, or they might even come to me you know a couple of weeks before they launch and they say you know my my broker has given me this this sweet grid um we're in a little disagreement with them on what the the value should be we kind of need a arbitrator between between the two and and you know let us know what you think uh the units could uh could sell for so that's generally what makes up a lot of my work and and you know some of it's for lenders when they when they're when they're just Trying to figure out what uh, what a property is uh, is worth, but I also work with um, uh, Rentals.ca, which is a national rental listing service, and and do their um, you know their their rental analysis on a, a monthly basis, and that's you know fantastic information not only for uh, you know for the public and uh, and people in the rental business, but I you know use the the information on a, on a very micro level when I'm uh, you know working on recommendations for for uh, rental projects. So um, that's kind of what my company Company does, but I've been working in, you know, in real estate research for 15 years. Started in, uh, you know, the Dallas, Texas market, and uh, you know, came back to Canada. I'm a Canadian, um, and uh, and worked at various uh, real estate research firms before, you know, in 2017, starting my uh, my own company. So yeah, it's been That's fascinating. Uh, it's been yeah, so it's been you know, it's been a good run, and and obviously there is a little bit of construction and and uh, and activity happening in uh, in Toronto. Obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah, as you know we have uh, you know. Uh, you know, probably the most uh, you know cranes in North America. People like to talk about the the crane index and you know all that fun stuff. So there's <laughs> definitely been uh, enough work to uh, to keep me busy. So so Ben, actually, I'm I'm just curious. Like, how, how did why real estate? 
it was funny, you know, I, I, I ended up in Texas. I got a baseball scholarship. So that's how I ended up in, in Texas. And, and you're, you're I, the uh, second guy we've had on the show. That's got from a, Toronto, from Toronto, that's yeah. got a baseball scholarship to the States and yeah, ended so, up in real estate. Yeah. Anyway. yeah so I, uh, um, you know, I played a couple of years. I ended up hurting my arm. I actually still need Tommy John surgery because <laughs> oh. <laughs> the tendon is uh, in my in my elbow is stretched out. But you know, when I, I you know had no idea what I wanted to do in, in university, and I I finally you know when I had to declare my major, just said, hey, you know, I love you know I love economics. I want to get a degree in economics, and uh, eventually wanted to go and get a master's degree. But I wanted to take a break, so I just you know back then. Uh, you know, it was uh, people were searching for jobs on the internet. That was the that was the new thing. You know, Monster.com was where you looked for jobs, and ended up landing a job in um, you know in the Dallas uh, area, tracking the real estate market, and that was essentially how I got my start. Just completely random, um, looking at uh, you know job postings on a on a job website. So it was you know it was a fascinating time in 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 Dallas Fort Worth. It was just you know what what you would call sprawl to the max and they essentially you know they they build out a bit and then they build a giant ring road they they spend billions and billions on on infrastructure uh, and these are all like you know um, slab on grade single story ranch style housing very cheap to build obviously you've got some labor uh from south of the border that's working for right. some pretty low right. wages right. uh which helps keep the <laughs> keep the cost down and you know there's no no basements and uh you know no uh, uh not the level of uh insulation that you would have here so i mean so i was tracking the new housing market and you could buy a single detached home on a 50 foot lot 1600 square feet for about sixty thousand dollars so this was this was 2001. So just you know, unbelievable shock when I eventually did move back to Canada and find that uh, I couldn't buy a condominium apartment within uh, an hour and 15 minutes of drive of uh, Toronto for that price. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, obviously, there's some big differences uh, with with those two markets uh, and even the type of housing that's kind of the. St- strategy around development uh is is quite different but can you talk about some of the some of the biggest differences you've noticed from from moving from the states or from texas to back to canada and and how that's kind of impacted your business yeah i mean it's it it helps in the fact that people always want to know why prices are so high all right why are prices so high in toronto and vancouver well you know the reason prices are low in 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 dallas fort worth is not all the jobs are concentrated downtown there's no it doesn't uh you know it isn't a butt water or mountains on any one side so if you want to commute you can come from any direction and you can really just you know go in every direction right you know it could uh you could sprawl in 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 an hour (laughs) you know hour two hours in every direction right there's no there's no major impediments whereas you know toronto is an old much older city than than dallas fort worth and and most of the jobs are concentrated in the downtown core and um you know you you i guess you could uh commute from the south if you had a boat and lived in rochester but (laughs) obviously that's not a uh you know not very likely to uh to happen so it just puts a lot more uh upward price pressure on the um you know the downtown uh housing market and then add on that the uh you know the green belt that has taken out a lot of uh, uh you know development land and then add on top of that you know municipalities that it's expensive to service all these uh low-rise um housing and and uh and they they seem to not want to do it <laughs> right they're very very slow to get approvals where you know in dallas fort worth these developers are getting you know massive subdivisions approved in six months right, right. so uh stuff that uh you know a lot of toronto developers would would salivate over and even you know some of the the developers that I that I work with actually did do work in in Dallas. So uh, interestingly enough, so you know someone like a Great Gulf Home, which was Ashtonwood down there, and Fram um, Developments are fairly large developer here. They did, did work there. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a very different market in terms of in terms of the you know the product type that's uh, that's getting built. I think. You know, the the big thing about, you know, Vancouver and in Toronto is we're, we're, you know, most of the new housing supply, and this is, you know, in Toronto is fairly recent in terms of 
um, you know, the split between what they call ground-oriented housings or, or singles, semis in row and high-rise uh, apartments is, you know, we're now building more high-rise apartments to accommodate new growth, right? So it costs a lot more to to build a high-rise than it does a, a, a stick-frame suburban property. The land is much more expensive. The construction is much more expensive. It's much more risky. So that means the, um, you know, the lending uh, costs are, are higher. Um, so, and it takes a lot longer, right? So there's, there's, you know, the, the timing aspect of the well of carrying land and all that fun stuff. So all these factors lead to much higher pricing. So any market that transitions away from, you know, from, from sprawl essentially, and every market will eventually get there if it's, you know, if it's hundred years, 200 years or, or, uh, 5,000 years from now, they'll, they'll, they'll eventually get to the point where they can no longer, build any more, you know, low-rise uh, homes, um, you know, uh, within driving distance of, of where the jobs are and you have to build up and it's expensive to build up, right? So, I mean, that was a very long answer, but it's all the stuff that's in, it's in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was, that was really interesting. Uh, just a, a question from uh, kind of a cultural perspective. I don't know when the last time you were in, in Texas or was and if it's changing at all but was there that that culture of uh or is the culture different in terms of obviously sprawl is is much more accepted and popular down there than cities like toronto and vancouver here but was the culture around housing and what people were looking for uh in housing and what the expectations were uh, apart from price point uh was that a huge difference as well or yeah, it's, it's it's all about what you grow up expecting, right? You know, if you grew up in a in a uh, single family large lot property, you generally want to continue living in that in that lifestyle, right? So uh, that was generally the expectation. I never heard anyone say that they wanted to buy a, a condominium, and and like a lot of the U.S. housing markets, which is different from the Canadian housing market, where you know a lot of the condominiums uh, are small and service the first time home buyer and and move up home buyer but in the states a lot of these markets of condominiums are aimed at luxury buyers so there's huge units 2000 3000 square feet units um you know right you know right in the downtown core or you know overlooking the water or something like that so very very different from that um uh, from that perspective and and yeah the, the, there wasn't there wasn't the same you know, um, desire to live downtown, right? There was not, there was none of that. That was the you know, walkability obviously is something that uh, is not talked about <laughs> down <laughs> right. there. Right. So, um, I, uh, actually I went this year, this summer, went to see some of my friends from, uh, from university and, and one of my friends had moved back. He had moved to, uh, uh, DC and lived in DC for 10 years. And he moved back to Dallas and wanted, you know, the, he loved the urban lifestyle. So he wanted to live downtown Dallas. So he bought a, uh, 900 square foot condo for uh, $210,000 <laughs> with, with two parking spaces. So uh, it just it's, it's just a whole it's a whole different uh, mindset. That's for sure. Maybe uh, maybe shifting gears here a bit, Ben. But thinking about your process and and how you approach um, acquiring data and then also analyzing data, um, can you talk about maybe some of your analytics and uh, what kind of data you're looking at? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of the rental studies, you know, I'm, I'm working with this rentals.ca information, right? So they, you know, they give me all their individual listings and, uh, you know, it tells me, obviously, you know, what the size of the unit is, what the bedroom type is, the, the, uh, the Latin long, the postal code, the municipality, and soon they're going to be adding, you know, neighborhoods and, uh, and some additional, um, and some additional information on top of that. So, which is, you know, which is great. You try to get as micro as possible. It's, you know, and to really understand, you know, how old these buildings are, you know, um, you know what's driving the the rental rates, you know, what's 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 in the neighborhood, what it's close to, to 
to really narrow in on, on, on what those values are. And then just trying to, you know, chop the data up as in as many ways as possible and, and not get, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm as, as guilty as, 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 as many other people are, is just looking too much at what the average price is, right. As opposed to really getting into what are the individual units going for and why are they different than, uh, than something else. Whereas, you know, I just did some work in, um, you know, uh, Guelph, Ontario is my, my hometown actually where I was born and raised, but it's, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes away from Toronto. So very different in terms of, you know, bedroom types, a rental unit, a one bedroom is like 700 square feet, <laughs> right? Whereas, whereas Toronto, I, I, I'm hardly recommending any 700 square foot units for two bedrooms. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so very different in terms of, uh, in terms of sizing. Interesting enough, I work, um, I work with a lot of data from a company called Buzz Buzz Home and why. So they're, uh, they're essentially like rentals.ca, but for new homes. So they have, you know, all the, the new home uh, projects across, uh, across the country. And so, so they have all these uh, users uh, of their website that are, you know, clicking on these individual floor plans on a monthly basis. So I purchased that information from, uh, from Buzz Buzz Home to get, to get understanding of, you know, what floor plans people are hitting on, what are the size of those units, what are the pricing of those units, what's the, obviously the, the price per square foot or the rent per square foot, and really trying to get a sense of, of what's happening in the market. The problem with, you know, that I run into with a lot of developers, and I, I talk about this all the time, is a project will be 85% sold. Right, it's already gone under construction, so the developer has construction financing. But this building is going to take three years or three and a half years to build, so the developer is in no rush to sell those units. They they're confident that the market is going to continue to appreciate over those three and a half years. So essentially, they look at pricing those units based off of selling them at occupancy. So they they're kind of predicting where they think uh, price is going to be in 2022 or 2023, and so they'll set the pricing at. $1,300 a square foot or $1,400 a square foot. And then a developer will come to me and say, Ben, I think my project is worth $1,350 or $1,450 or because this guy has set his, his pricing at X. And I say, well, that's not really the accurate pricing in the market for the reasons that I, I just set out. So I really want to you know, concentrate on what people are looking at or people want to buy as opposed to an asking price that no one is actually interested in in 2019 <laughs> that they might be interested in it in 2023 but they're not interested in 2019 so yeah so it's it's definitely a process and it's a i'm constantly reevaluating my my model and how i'm you know making recommendations for for clients in terms of you know looking at days on market and the resale market looking at um you know uh, uh sales to listing ratio looking at you know previous list prices for for all these units and just trying to take as many data points as I can understand them and, uh, you know, make recommendations based off of, of, of all those points all taken together. So, so that that's kind of an interesting process, Ben, if, do you invest in real estate yourself? Like, are you are kind of, cause we have a lot of people that are kind of, you know, one door, two door type, uh, mom and pop investors. Uh, are you, are you a real estate investor? Yeah, it's, it's funny. The very first, you know, I, the very first condo that I bought, the building got canceled <laughs> before I closed. So, and, uh, and then I was, uh, and I'm, you know, hopefully going to buy a unit in a building that's, uh, that's close by, but I actually do not have any real estate units. And it's embarrassing to say, it because I've been I've been so bullish on the market and and recommend that you know people buy for the long term and X and X and yeah I have no rental units of my own so I, I usually I usually try not to admit that but the truth <laughs> is that I have I have failed as a as a uh, as, as a real estate buyer uh, or just simply the fact of um, of being too cautious right you know when I um, so I'm not sure if you knew I ran a company called Urmination which is a which is a condo data company and I always worried that if I owned real estate, then people would view me as being biased, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm invested in the market, so I'm going to say these things that um, um, to boost the market, right? Which right. was which is a silly thing to worry about <laughs> when uh, at the time, you know, uh, maybe not as, 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 as knowledgeable as I was then, but certainly at that time, I think I was the most knowledgeable person in the entire condo market industry in terms of, in terms of values, in terms of locations, in terms of uh, what was, what was going on. 
so whenever a project came out that 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 I knew was undervalued, uh, you know, I'm kicking myself now that I didn't that I didn't buy any of those units, and uh, and uh, especially now when you know looking back and there were five hundred dollars a square foot, and then now trading at twelve hundred dollars a square foot, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and rents of uh, and rents of doubled over that time, right? So. You know it is it it is what it is. You can't uh, you can't go back in time, but yeah, looking to uh, to finally make my first pre-construction condo uh, purchase over the next couple months is uh, so. So thinking about that, um, you know, you're you're in the market for a uh, for a condo an investment uh, property right now. Like the metrics that you outlined uh, that you use for for developers is that would you implement the same process if you're looking for your own unit so would you do like what types of things would you be looking for if you were if you're trying to make an informed decision based on uh, a single unit yeah i mean that's always hard i mean it's because everyone buys for for different reasons see i'm i'm buying this unit because um you know it's close to uh, where my office is and i may use it as my own office or I may rent it out, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the key, uh, one of the key things is it, the proximity because I want to be able to walk to work, right? So that was, the, you know, the number one reason for, you know, specifically choosing this building. But I think, you know, everyone's going to have their different uh, different process. And I think, you know, the way I do my valuation is probably different than, you know, how an investor looks at, uh, you know, purchasing a unit. Some, you know, some investors only want to be in the prime markets. They only want to be downtown. That's where they, they see all the demand, um, you know, happening where they see, you know, the, the greatest appreciation uh, happening in the market over the long term. Uh, but others are looking at, you know, they want, to, they want to be in burgeoning markets. They want to see where there's going to be the highest appreciation, right? So they got to get in on the ground floor and, you know, and ride that through, you know, 10, 15 years, right? And they have a much longer you know, hold um, timeline than uh, than some other people who may you know only be looking to hold it one or two years after after occupancy uh, or after registration. So uh, it's really a different process. And, and you know, I, I have investors you know call me and, and email me all the time asking, hey, what do you think of this project? What do you think of this developer? Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely bullish on you know up and coming neighborhoods in in, in Toronto and and being close to, to transit is, uh, you know, is just is, is absolutely uh, essential in, uh, in Toronto. And I'm sure it is in, in, in Vancouver in terms of you just can't drive anywhere. You just, you know, in the morning, you just can't get anywhere, right? right? For me, I don't even want to be on transit, right? I, I want to be able to walk to work, right? right? And luckily being in business for myself, I can <laughs> sit where my, my office is, you know, spending an hour or two, two hours in your day getting to work is, is just seems like the absolute worst thing you could possibly do. Do <laughs> right in terms of uh, in terms of life enjoyment, right? So um, yeah, so so my process might be uh, very different than 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 some investors, and 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 kudos to some of them because they're you know they're buying at at pricing that uh, suggests uh, they're very bullish on the market moving forward. <laughs> right, <laughs> and and may, uh, in that same vein, Ben, because when you when you were looking at you know five six hundred a foot. Um, and analyzing and, and seeing a lot of potential in certain projects. Now at, you know, 1,100, 1,200, even uh, over 2,000 a square foot in, in some markets um, for luxury product, are, are you still bullish about the market or are you still seeing what, what feels like opportunities out there? Well, in the downtown market, I think they're – they're fully priced is, is the way the best way that I can, that I can um, explain it. Right. What, what I always look at is, okay, what is the price now? And, and where do I think the price will be at the time of occupancy? Right. So if I think the market now for a resale product for a recently completed resale project is selling at say $1,100 a square foot and someone's going to go and buy at, um, you know, 1350 a foot. Well, they're anticipating that, in three and a half years, pricing in the resale market is going to be higher than pricing in the new market, right? Um, and it's 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 a leap of faith in in some markets because it just requires, you know, pricing to go up to six, seven, eight percent annually over the next three and a half years, right? So that, like that's why I said, yeah, they're 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 quite bullish, right? And, and so that's why I'm you know a little more inclined to say, hey, you know, if you're a if you're a first time investor, hey, maybe try. 
you know, Scarborough along where the new, uh, new, you know, subway extension is going to be, maybe try a Kitchener Waterloo where there's, you know, having a, a massive, uh, tech boom, uh, you know, maybe try in a, in a neighbor neighborhood that's, you know, kind of untested, but, you know, they're making investments in employment in the area and, and uh, you know, a, a school, you know, a university or a, or a hospital or something like that, where you've got a built in group of, uh, of tenants, uh, to, uh, to pick from, right. So that's kind of the, um, you know, the process that I, that I give to investors, but yeah, I mean, when, when you look at the break-even point for, uh, for, for rents at some of these downtown projects, wow, it requires a lot of, of rent growth, but you know, with, uh, you know, I, I certainly am not bearish on, on price increases moving forward in, in Toronto. I mean, we're, 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 we're attracting huge amounts of, uh, of immigration and, and, you know, from all over the province, uh, you know, the smartest and brightest are coming here to, to, to take jobs. Uh, they want to be in the city, you know, same as, same as Vancouver. You know, I, you, you'll hear, you'll hear people complain, oh my God, Vancouver is so expensive or Toronto is so expensive. Or are you going to move? Oh no, no, this is the best city in the world. <laughs> right. Which is, the, the strangest thing they complain all they want but you know they're they're, they're not willing to move they're not gonna they're not gonna go anywhere and i think that's pretty pervasive until you know they start to have kids and say hmm, maybe i want a little bit more space or maybe i, I can't quite afford what uh, uh i don't want to be downtown because it doesn't have the schools or whatnot but yeah so in the long run i'm still bullish on values and some of these investors, they have very long timelines, so they're 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 happy to in, invest in something that may be cash flow negative for the first you know two three years. You know, I I maybe not that risk uh, <laughs> that type of risk appetite, but uh, others uh, have certainly had a very successful track record doing it. In terms of um, so, it sounds like it's interesting, kind of trying to figure out kind of two, three years out future prices. It sounds like you're you're pretty bullish long term on on at least the major cities here here in um, in Canada. In terms of rents, do you have I mean I you guys do your your monthly report from rentals.ca that that uh, we get sent and it's it's a super compelling read actually. Um, and I'd recommend it to anyone. Can can you talk about how you're kind of compiling that? That is it all from Rentals.ca, and then yes, and then also exactly. the the kind of the future of of rental prices. Yeah, I mean it's all Rentals.ca listings, right? So they're you know they're they're definitely taking a lot of market share from their their competitors based off of you know how. Uh, you know how easy to use their 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 website is, so that's great for me, right? Obviously, the 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 greater share of the overall market that they're they're capturing on on uh, on their website, the better it is for for me in terms of uh, getting a more robust uh, sample size. That you know, definitely the Toronto one is is huge. You know, they're capturing a lot of listings uh, on their website, so um, feel very confident in in that market. Some of the smaller um, you know, municipalities, yeah, it's, it's not very reliable, but, um, it definitely gives you a sense of, of where the market is moving. And yeah, it's just been, been huge growth, right? Just looking at the, if I finally have now like a year's worth of, of, uh, information to go on and, you know, purpose built rental apartments in, in, in the Toronto, uh, or the GTA area are up about 15% year over year. In Vancouver, it's about 10%. So, a lot higher than even my forecast. You know, I came out with a forecast last year said, you know, I thought Toronto was going to go up 10%, but that was, that was based off the city of Toronto. Um, and, and I think I said Vancouver was 6% or 7%. And, uh, you know, the typical bears came out, oh, this, this Ben, you know, being too bullish. What is he talking about? Rents aren't going to go up that much. You know, look at, look at house prices in Vancouver going down. You know, how can rents go up? But, you know, some people aren't buying; they're renting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, some of them are gonna, you know, stay living with their mom and dad or stay living with their roommate. But um, you know, people have to live somewhere, right? And if they're not buying, then uh, you know, they're 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 likely to be renting, which uh, which was another big factor um, in you know the, the last two years is the is the mortgage stress test. It's it's kept a lot of people from qualifying for the home that they want uh, or just any home, <laughs> but definitely there's people who they want a certain style of home if they can't buy that they're not going to buy 
they'll just stay in the rental market and save up till they till they can. So that's just added huge demand uh, to the rental market and drive and, and driven rents up pretty significantly. Um, we're we're going to start to see more new supply come in in Toronto over the last over the next you know two years. Uh, we had uh, which is all based off of what happened in the pre-construction condo market four years earlier, right? We're on like a four-year lag in terms of uh, in terms of sales. So twenty uh, so twenty twenty will be based off of the 2016 uh, you know pre-construction condo market which is which is really when the market turned and became really strong so we're starting to see a lot more completion so I certainly don't expect um, you know double digit rent growth in uh, you know in Toronto next year but uh, I still expect it to be uh, to be very strong and and obviously there's the kind of the you know cultural or lifestyle change that's that's happening when a lot of young people are just saying you know what I don't really want the the burden of owning. You know, I like the flexibility of of renting, uh, and I'm just going to continue to do that, right? So, and I'm not sure if that's simply for the fact that prices are too high, so they're justifying that. But you know, certainly hearing that from a lot of uh, you know a lot of brokers that uh, um, that do do rentals and and, and property uh, property companies that represent investors. Yeah, and we're we've kind of heard a lot of talk, uh, similar talk, and I, yeah, it does seem like either a cultural shift or something in in at least Vancouver and Toronto, where you know the the lifelong renter seems to be more of a uh, more of an acceptable uh, thing to do now, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and I just I just did a presentation for uh, you know a large equity firm that in, that invests in, in in rental projects in the United States and in Canada, and they're they're really bullish on 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 Canada. So they're you know they're they're investing in a lot of you know purpose built rental projects in uh, in Toronto, and you know one of the things that they mentioned was you know the quality of renter has got a lot better, right? I know it doesn't sound great, but um, as I won't mention who they are, but you know, they're more affluent people that are renting. They're more likely to pay their bills. They're not going to destroy the units. They're not going to do any of the, the uh, you know, the things that uh, some of the, uh, you know, some tenants are that, you know, at the bottom of the scale might be, uh, be doing it. No, that's not socially nice thing to say, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just the way it is. You know, people complain. I mean, there's a lot of bad landlords out there doing bad things, evicting tenants and, and, uh, and being very bad, but guess what? There's a lot of bad tenants too, <laughs> you know, that don't pay their bills and, uh, and uh, destroy the units and are doing illegal things and, and, in, in their unit. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I relay one story. I was sitting with a developer and he's, you know, in his, in his, in his seventies and, and he had a, had a property in downtown Toronto and, and the tenant said they didn't want uh, to, to lease the lease there anymore. They were going to move out. And so when he went to inspect the unit the next day, they had taken off all the doors and taken off all the trim and had a giant bonfire in the backyard. So there's no more doors in his, his property. <laughs> but what a party, Ben. It was, it was yeah. incredible. <laughs> My goodness. He wasn't even invited to the party. Right? That, was the, that was the worst part about the whole story. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, getting back to the rental market, yeah, these, these, these equity firms and, and a lot of these, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of, you know, rental market studies for, um, you know, for, uh, you know, real estate investment trusts and uh, just anyone that's reevaluating their their portfolio and saying you know what maybe retail's not where we want to be anymore all right maybe we want to uh, you know build apartments and and uh, and there seems to be you know such strong demand for it um, you know let's uh, let's take a look at uh, what that looks like so yeah it's been uh, it's been a good thing for me that they you know they got rid of uh, you know rent control on new projects so any any development that in in the in the Ontario that is completed after November 20, uh, 2018 is no longer rent control on them. So that's, uh, that's certainly been, uh, uh, a very, uh, influencing factor for, you know, some of these, uh, you know, developers or landowners that were on the fence in terms of what tenure they were going to go for in their, in their projects. So Ben, I'm just thinking about, uh, Vancouver and, and Toronto, where do you see rents going over the next, uh, maybe three, five years? Yeah, I, I definitely see them continuing to go uh, in excess of inflation, right? In that, 
uh, more in the three to five percent range. Um, you know, we're just looking, we're just looking at recent numbers in Vancouver, and you, you're, 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 you've got more, you know, purpose-built rental apartments in the the CMA under construction than we do, right? So you definitely have a lot of that. Obviously, nowhere near as many condos under construction, but you know, looking, uh, looking long-term, you may actually build enough units to satisfy demand in in a couple of years, which is, uh, <laughs> which is probably something you guys have not done in a long time. Um, whereas Toronto, even though we've got, you know, record numbers of units, they're still not likely to be able to meet, uh, meet demand. So, you know, RBC just recently came out with a report and they said that, you know, currently Vancouver is, you know, 3,800 units short of, uh, of where they would need to be a vacant unit short or where they would need to be to have 3% vacancy rate. So three to 4% vacancy rate is generally where you, a healthy market. So if you have, you know, vacancy above four, you tend to see, you know, rents decline and, and below low three, you see rents uh, increase, right? Whereas Toronto, they said Toronto needs 9,100 more units. But they also looked at the next, you know, five years and said, how many more, uh, how many units, rental units annually do you need to satisfy demand? Uh, and in Toronto was 22,000 units. So, so even if we got, you know, uh, 4,000 purpose-built rentals, and then 70% of all condos uh, that were that were new condos that were bought were put into the to the rental market. We would still be short of that 22,000 units of of rental demand. So, um, so still anticipate rents uh, going up in Toronto, just not just not at the pace that it's gone in the last two years. Wow. And and also, I mean, Matt and I, we've talked about this on the show before, when, and particularly when investors come on, a lot of people, the saying is, you never hear about a rent bubble. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that, is, in your opinion, having monitor, monitored the, the rental market for, for, you know, over a decade, is that true? Yeah, I mean, because generally when you talk about a bubble, it's it's based off speculation. You know, someone buying it for the short term, banking on appreciation for a very short period of time and flipping it. Whereas, whereas, whereas tenant markets is generally, you know, you're, you don't own it, so you can't really flip it, all right? I mean, I guess you could go in and then sublease it out to someone. I don't know. I mean, there's just not the same level of speculation. Is there the... Is there FOMO in the uh, in the rental market? <laughs> I mean, there might be, right? Um, you know, certainly if uh, you know in, in Toronto where there's you know rent control on every building completed uh, uh, um, you know prior to November of uh, of 2018, it's an advantage to get in as quickly as possible because rents keep increasing. So the faster you get in, the faster you lock in that that rate. Right. You know, but yeah, is that causing a rent bubble? No, I don't think so. I mean, the the, the and, and I hate to say that I I like that rents are going up, but because there's a lot of people that are struggling to find a place to live, but the fact that rents are going up so quickly is 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 great for my theory that we're under supply because a lot of people say, well, no, 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 it's not supply. It's, it's speculation. It's uh, international buyers. It's, it's whatever the same tropes that we've heard all these, uh, you know, for the last decade, but the rental market, guess what? It's not foreign investors um, buying these, uh, you know, renting these units. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not speculation driving up those rents. It's, you know, what's driving up those rents is, the simple fact that there's not enough of them, right? That supply is deficient in, in the marketplace. So um, we need to you know, continue to, to build. And, and, and yes, some of those units will be luxury units. And yes, some of those units will be kept vacant. And yes, some of those units will be owned by a foreigner. Ooh, but you know, <laughs> not all of them, right? If it's, you know, if it's 10% of the building, it's 15% of the building. It's still 85% going to locals. All right? right. So, I mean, that's the, the dumbest part is where we would say, you know, I'm not going to give any food to kids because 15% of food given to kids is wasted. So no food for kids anymore. <laughs> right? it's, it's the same dumb logic, right? Yeah, right. we need more units. Let's build more units. And and the more the units that we uh, that we build, the more land we have available. The you know the less the less rapid price growth we're going to get. We may still get price growth, and we we actually probably need price growth to keep lenders you know, bullish about the market and developers bullish about the market. But as long as it's going up at a steady pace, two, 3% a year, 
that's the healthiest uh, spot that we can be in. So and so that just sounds yeah. And maybe to rephrase the question of a, a rental bubble, it's more so. It sounds like you don't anticipate rents falling off dramatically anytime soon. No, I mean and they never have. I mean, even if you look at you know, during the the worst part of our our recession in the in the 1990s, look at what happened to rents. If you look at the CMHC, yeah, I mean, it hardly went down at all, right? Um, even in, in Calgary where they built a lot of units and they had their, you know, their, I don't know what you want to call it, your oil c- catastrophe <laughs> right. <laughs> that really no one, no one saw coming and, you know, vacancy rates were up at 8%. Uh, they only had like really just one year where rents went down, you know, um, and then, and now they're, they're, you know, seem to be trending back up again. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't anticipate any major drop off and, you know, the, the fact is that so many people are renting units at way below market value because of of uh, of uh, rent control. That tends to keep the, uh, you know, the fluctuations going. So even if the market went down $200, some of these people may be $300 below market. So the tenant still, I mean, the landlord's still going to raise the rent on the unit, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> right? So, um, so keep the, you know, keep the rents uh, you know, overall going up. And Ben, do you see uh, any kind of connection? Because I mean, in thinking about Calgary, when you speak to people kind of on the ground in Calgary, a lot of people make the case that um, at least in downtown Calgary, that the vacancy rate is actually quite low. It's when you get to the greater kind of area of, you know, uh, further out, I guess, from the downtown core, the vacancy rate kind of increases. Is that is is that kind of true to looking at kind of Canadian cities overall? Like are 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 you more that, safeguarded a, that, in the urban centers? That's, yeah. yeah, that's a global phenomenon, right? Yeah. You know, people are going to to trend towards the best neighborhoods, right? So if rents start to fall, okay, I'm not going to live in the burbs anymore. I don't live in the city if I can rent for what I was renting before, right? So they're gonna they're gonna always go to the the prime locations, and in in any market upswing. You know, people, you know, this is a, you know, a common refrain. People misprice B and C locations, right? You know, the market's really strong. Developers say, okay, I guess I can sell it in, you know, this really, really terrible neighborhood that no one's ever developed in because everything's going up. So people will buy this too, right? And, uh, and in strong markets, people do, and in bad markets, they don't, right? Same thing for, you know, for, uh, you know, for rentals. You know, if you build a rental in a, in a crappy neighborhood, um, uh, in a strong market, people are going to go there because it's the only thing they can afford. But in bad market, when, you know, when rents are declining and they can go to a better location for, uh, for the same rent, then they're going to do that, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's pretty common of any, uh, any major city and, and across the globe, right? Maybe as a as a final question here, Ben, uh, with the with the report and and the work you're doing, it sounds like um, you know you're kind of boots on the ground in in Ontario and and specifically kind of the Toronto area. If you were with with the data you you have, however, and, and the work you do, if you were looking outside of Toronto and say outside of Vancouver. Where in Canada would you be most excited about investing? Uh, it'll probably be Montreal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have been to Montreal, but you know, just an absolutely fantastic city, and you know, investors seem to be taking note. It's a very strong rental market. Um, you know, Culturally, for, for whatever, a rental market too, right? The, yeah, the for, for whatever. Yeah, for for whatever the reason is, you know, Quebec is always they, they accept renting as a lifestyle. That is, you know, you know, people's parents are not pushing them to buy things. It's just everyone rents, right? So it's a very strong rental market, and uh, and so investors are taking note and and, and buying units there for 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 long term rental, and and the downtown is 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 being revitalized, you know, outside the obviously the historic core and stuff like that right but uh yeah i mean it's a it's a very strong market and and uh there seems to be uh you know some uh you know some toronto developers even even looking to to get into that marketplace right so um yeah that would definitely be my 
my uh, my number one market outside of Toronto. And, and do you have a property type that you'd focus on, like uh, townhouse, condo, or detached? One bed, two yeah, bed. Yeah, I I always prefer you know if 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 uh, you know when talking to, to people about it, a, a one or two bedroom condo, right? Uh, that's the best. That's the best way to go. I mean, studios you can you can you know they're cheap to buy, but you get you get high turnover, right? So high turnover, people can you know they can you know, bump the walls when they're moving and all those that those fun stuff. So you know, one bedrooms are inexpensive to typically inexpensive to buy. They're easy to rent because you know it's the entry level in the market so you essentially have the, the highest pool of potential uh, tenants uh, they're typically easy to resell if you're in a pinch you know you know you're not gonna you know spending six months on the market trying to sell some funky 1400 square foot loft or you know uh, a single family home in the in the suburbs in a, in, a, in a bad marketplace so yeah I'm always um, you know, you look at transit, whatever, you know, if you can get something close to transit, if you can't get something close to transit, you know, is it, is it, is it somewhere that someone can commute from, you know, can they jump on the high rate highway quickly? Is there an employment center ne- nearby? Is there a university nearby? Is there a hospital nearby? You know, um, somewhere, something that can, uh, that's going to attract a lot of younger people um, that are, that are looking to, to rent. So you always got this big pool of, of of potential tenants to choose from. Right. Well, well, Ben, maybe we'll leave it there, but we do have this segment called the five wire, five quick questions about usually Vancouver, but I think today we'll talk about Toronto. Just, it seems like, you know, that area better, but do you have time for that? Sure. Excellent. Okay. So question number one is what is your favorite neighborhood in Toronto? Uh, it's got to be Queen West. Yeah, very, very funky, very eclectic. Uh, lots of fun shops to go to. Um, yeah, definitely my, definitely my, uh, my go-to neighborhood. Is that actually where Speaker's Corner was, Queen West? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly where it is. Yeah. yeah so I okay. prefer maybe a little bit uh, farther west than that. That's a, that's the, the Speaker's Corner is is close to to, to University and uh, and Queen. So I'm, I I prefer a little bit farther uh, farther west than that. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you, you know that you know you know Perfect. exactly what I'm talking. Wow, Speaker's Corner. I haven't thought about that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I follow Master T on Instagram. <laughs> oh well, Ed the Sock too is now <laughs> big on, Inst- on on Twitter at least. Right, yeah. Yeah. Ed uh, the Sock, yeah, he's big on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, big on Twitter. Uh, favorite bar or restaurant, Ben? Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm I got three kids. I'm fully in like kid mode right so <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> I, yeah I think literally the restaurant that I take the kids to the most is probably Wimpy's <laughs> I, I get my my uh, you know breakfast for dinner my my giant slam and, and I'm, I'm good to go I'm uh, you know nice. I'm ready to lie on the couch for an hour after that so <laughs> um, what is one book that you would recommend to anyone listening Oh wow! Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I was trying to think of what books really you know made a major difference in uh, in my life. I actually like I read a couple books by Eckhart Tolle, and it's all about you know keeping your ego in check. And I think that is <laughs> you know that is something that everyone needs to uh, um, uh, to read about every. Uh, uh, you know, every once in a while, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I like all the the books by Michael Lewis, uh, Moneyball, and uh, right. Liars Poker, and and uh, and um, you know, The Big Short. Obviously, is is you know, those are all they're all fun books. I don't think I've ever read any any of his books and not you know had an enjoyable experience. Were you in uh, in the states in two thousand eight? Speaking of The Big Short, uh, I wasn't. I was there uh, in, during nine eleven. Yeah, so I woke Jeez. up in the morning and uh, you know uh, turned on the radio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know heard oh my god all this you know craziness turned on the TV and was 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 shocked and 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 went off to do my job and part of my job was then was driving to sales offices and uh, for new home developments and picking up price lists and asking the agents how sales were going and all that fun stuff so every everyone that I went in we sat and we watched the TV a little bit we talked about it people were like what the hell why are you working this is you know the world's in 
peril. And I, you know, I didn't grasp it. This is my first job at a, at a university and had really had no idea what was happening and, you know, that this was a major world event. So yeah, it was a interesting, uh, interesting time for me back then. You know what, that, that's actually interesting. I was in university at that time and I remember specifically going to the university and the class being canceled and me thinking that that was a big deal. I didn't, I definitely thinking back, didn't grasp the significance like on that day for some reason it didn't uh yeah it didn't it strike shocked. me of how how, yeah, how I just had never, it was right yeah we just had never experienced something like that and i just yeah i had no idea how monumental it was yeah i i had a poli sci class after uh after watching that we talked about it oh so your class was and on, then it and then it, it got canceled it, well we left early but anyways <laughs> <laughs> we'll save all that for we'll save all podcast. that for another podcast <laughs> the where the where were you on 9-11 show yeah. um, uh, uh, what one piece of advice would you give your 18 year old self wow um <laughs> buying some of those yeah. 500 a foot projects <laughs> yeah yeah i'd probably tell them to buy some uh buy some real estate oh that's a good one <laughs> yeah that's a very good one uh what is something that you've bought in the last year or two for under a thousand dollars that has had it has changed your life oh changed my life or has yeah, it had an impact on your life one way or another <laughs> I, I am a, what they call a sneakerhead. So every time I buy a new pair of shoes, it, it makes me feel very good. So that is a good, uh, um, you know, thing that makes me happy. But uh, I think probably uh, in terms of just, uh, you know, impact is, you know, I, I buy, I'm constantly buying my, my, my son baseball equipment and sports equipment. And I love how much interest he's taking in the sport. So, um, and, you know, watching the Raptors and the Leafs and, and the World Series and all that stuff. So buying him stuff that gets him interested in sports to be as much of a sports guy as me, that, that definitely is, uh, you know, makes me very happy. Did you, did you wait in line for the uh, Halloween colored Jordans? I right. did not. No. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm size threes. 15, I think so they were. Yeah. I, I'm size 15. So generally there's no place to stand in line for shoes. It's uh, go on the internet and there's a couple, you know, different companies that have, you know, my, my size. So when they, but I do look, you know, sometimes they have the countdowns to when they're going to be available. So sometimes I'm on waiting yeah. <laughs> on that. Well, there's uh we should say that, um, you know, at least we were familiar with you first on Twitter, Big Ben Myers, speaking of size 15. Uh, I don't know if that's actually your handle, but that's how, how I, <laughs> I know you on Twitter. So, uh, but thanks. Uh, you're a good guy to follow. Always interesting content there. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. we should ask how, how can people find out more about what you're doing, Ben? Yeah, so it's uh, bullpenconsulting.ca is my company website. Yeah, I'm active on Twitter at uh, at bullpenconsult and at Ben Myers two nine. That's my uh, my personal handle. So we'll talk a little bit about sports and in Toronto real estate and housing bubbles in the rental market and the land market. So we do uh, do a lot of work, uh, you know, analyzing uh, you know land prices as well. So um, yeah, a little bit of uh, everything uh, real estate related. Right on. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Ben. That was a great conversation. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Big Ben Myers, president of Bullpen Research and Consulting and uh, Rentals.ca consultant, I believe he does the rental report there. Fantastic stuff. Yes, absolutely. And really enjoyed that. And it's so great to have someone like Ben who is been in real estate for a long time, but also multiple markets, multiple markets. He's been in the U S he's been in Canada. He has like a really interesting perspective on kind of major urban centers. And also he's deep into the data, which is always a a pleasure. And he's doing those monthly reports. I I should say to everyone, it's worth uh, signing up for those, those monthly rental reports across the country. It's Vancouver specific, but you also get a good idea of what's going on. And not your typical sneakerhead, which was surprising. It's yeah. Not usually the, the data heads that are sneakerheads. That's right. Yeah. No it, offense to the sneakerhead community. Actually, there's, I feel like it's a collector thing, maybe. Yeah. I, I actually have no idea. Yeah. But, uh, but the other interesting part was he tweeted at us since. Okay. In front of a, a restaurant called Wimpy's, which 
and we both heard we both heard Wendy's. I thought he was talking about Wendy's as his favorite restaurant, which yeah. I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, but it's Wimpy's, and we just don't have Wimpy's in Vancouver. Right, right. Um, outside of in this room, if you're talking about secret, <laughs> then we've got a serious Wimpy. <laughs> but but what else do we got? We got we got that book giveaway. We do. Larry yeah. Larry Beasley's Vancouverism. We do have a winner, and uh, this week's winner is Kenzie Burns. Nice. Congratulations, Kenzie. What did Kenzie write? Amazing podcast. Very informative. Matt and Adam make it fun and easy to listen to. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kenzie. Get in touch for your copy of Vancouverism. I don't think we've mentioned, because we got a couple more books. We do. we got a couple more books. We've given almost everyone who's reviewed this podcast. I've got a bedroom a just <laughs> stacked yeah. full of books. We actually got a lot of books. Yeah. No, we've we're, got a few left. We've got a few left. If you're interested in entering into this competition, we're picking a winner every week. All you do is Google Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Right. On the right-hand side, you're going to see our business page. You hit review. You write a review. You're entered in. And we're giving out books left, right, and center. So we are. You, there's a good shot. There's a you, very you good shot. have a very good shot. And Matt, before we go, of course, we've got the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. That's right, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com for all things real estate. We have our research tools. We do. We have, and also we should say all of our videos are there as well. We're recording all of the podcasts. So you can go over and watch. You can watch the past live events. It's all there for you. And we've also got research tools like private client services. Because, Matt, if you're not using PCS, you are standing still. Well, the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor-level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's available on our website. And it is the best research tool out there. If you're searching Vancouver real estate without PCS, you're doing it wrong. We also got the Livewire. That's our weekly newsletter. We got, got the deal, deal of, of the month. month. Deal of the month. We got assignments going out. There's no reason why you shouldn't sign up for the live wire. It's oh, just it's, more it's information fantastic. and information is king in real estate. So thanks very much for listening, guys. And you can reach me to talk about real estate or anything else, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We yeah. also got that secret line. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. 
If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.